I said hold, please. <coughs> so, welcome to the Bakesh podcast, where we have cleared our throats. Sorry. And we are very excited today to say this is our first episode in our new book, Hosea. And ultimately, um, the goal is not just to hit Hosea, but the minor prophets in general. So if you're looking at a series, uh, we just ended a, what, two and a half year? Something like that. Or something uh, on Deuteronomy. I think it was two and a half years, yeah. Um, And we're now jumping into the minor prophets. Um, So we're kind of excited and... Um, it definitely won't. I hope it doesn't take us two and a half years to get through Hosea. Um, but there's plenty of minor prophets to get through. Um, and I think we're going, um, not necessarily chronologically as it, um, was in, oh, I don't think we're necessarily going chronologically as it is, was in, in, in the timeline of Israel. And I didn't even think about getting one of those timelines to place in front of us so we could kind of give, um, people a, a more legit area of where that fits within um, Israel's history. It's not a bad idea, really. No, um, I actually have one. We are going in the order that they are in the canon of Scripture uh-huh. um, until further notice. Right, <laughs> so that might change. Yeah, um, uh, but we will go through Hosea before we make any any shifts. Right, um, so yeah, so we just kind of came up with that idea on the fly. Um, but as of right now, we're going through it uh, as it is in Scripture. Um, however, this is not chronologically in the t- timeline of Israel itself. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I did until I didn't, and then I did again right now. Yeah, because there are, well, even with the minor prophets, uh, but there are some of these guys that were contemporary with what we will call the major prophets. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they're kind of scattered because this is right before the Assyrians. So I think this is is Hezekiah's reign. So that'd be Assyrians. So this is pretty close to the fall of the northern kingdom, maybe right before Hosea. Right before captivity of. Yeah. And I think Judah lasts a little bit longer. So they did not fall um, during the the time of of Hosea's um, propheticness. But I think the northern kingdom fell right after he was finished with his propheticness. So basically a a setup in biblical history. Uh, you would have had Moses dying. They would have went over to the promised land. They would have started to uh, set up a kingdom in the time of the judges, which there was no uh, king established at that point. Uh, things would go terribly. They would get a, their first king, Saul, who you've probably heard of with David and Solomon and things like that. Um, and they would have been a steady kingdom at that time. And then after that, they kind of go into this. Well, they were a civil war even before then, but basically a civil war where it's divided between a northern kingdom, which is uh, Israel and the southern kingdom, which is Judah. And the minor prophets kind of the majority of them take place during this civil war era for lack of a better term, this divided kingdom era. era. Uh, and that's what's been going on for the years leading up to this. Mm-hmm. And so we ended Deuteronomy. We thought that it would be kind of a good transition as we in, uh, exit Deuteronomy um, right before they enter the, the promised land and right before they get into, uh, well, right before they get into to the land that God had promised. Um, and by this time, they've been there for a while. Um, they've actually had a couple kings 
And now as we get into the minor prophets, we're going to see kind of a repeated theme through almost all of them. Um, but all of those warnings that, that God kind of, that God and Moses kind of shared with us um, throughout the book of Deuteronomy, especially in the end, we're going to start seeing um, become a reality in the lives of Israel as they continue to reject God, um, even after they come into the promised land. So all of those things that they told Moses, they're like, yay, we're going to do. Yeah, they didn't. Um, I will put out a mild disclaimer. Um, the minor prophets don't pull a lot of punches. Mm -hmm. They will use a stronger language. Uh, we will try and handle it like mature-ish adults that we are. The ish. Um, but if we do come across something, we will definitely give you a, you know, hey, turn this down till the kids leave the room warning. Mm -hmm. But just know we're not going to, we're not going to make it explicit, but we're also not going to like throw a warning up all the time. Sometimes we might just run across a word that's a little bit harsher uh, and we will, you know, we'll leave it as it is. But just know this, you know, if you don't want your eight-year-old repeating, you know, the word whore, you might want to. Especially for Hosea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because he's going to have some. But, uh, you know, just throwing that out there, that the, some of the prophets are a little bit harsher. None of them are on Ezekiel's level. Right. But maybe, maybe that's the next book after the minor oh prophets. What, how many chapters did we see? Oh, it was like, I don't know. Because we're 50? sitting there going, <laughs> if we were in Deuteronomy this long, yeah. text isn't that as difficult as as Ezekiel is like, we're going to be there a long time. Mm -hmm. and Ezekiel is one of our choices and, and still might be after the minor prophets, but uh, we figured we'd kind of jump into something a little bit lighter for a while. And well, I guess don't lighter. know how light this is, but I was going to say, this is actually one of, I found this more difficult to study than Deuteronomy. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, I was telling or talking with Scott before we started recording that I probably could have read a book, you know, 250 pages on the history of what was going on around the time of Hosea and still felt like I needed more of an inter introduction as to what was going on. I don't know if that speaks to the commentaries and the study aids I was using or my inability to grasp well everything that was going on. It's a pretty complex time. Yeah. And I think, I think uh, we're going to ask that you bear with us a little bit because we're getting into a lot more history yeah. when we're getting into these minor prophets. Um, and I think it's, it's something we're kind of, and, and really, I guess this is where we would ask for your feedback as well is we could spend a lot of time in the history aspect. Um, but at the same time, there's always, there's also a narrative that goes with it. So I think we're going to be learning a little bit on how to balance both the history and the narrative, mm -hmm. um, to make sure that we're getting a foolish type of picture as to what's going on. But I would agree with Don where I'm sitting there going, Ooh, okay, so like, what do I feel is important mm -hmm. with trying to communicate the background of what's going on and yet not bore the crap out of people that are listening um, on yeah. the other end? So it's like, well, well, how is it that we, we balance both that historical aspect and, and the, the powerful message that's being communicated as well? Yeah, both of us have in our time served either as pastors or have written sermons or both. Um, actually, we both have done both. Yeah, we both have done both. I, if my current pastor came to me and said, hey, we're going to have you preach. Uh, will you handle Hosea chapter one? I'd be like, so just the first couple verses. <laughs> like it's it's really it is a they're shorter books, but they are. 
full. And I think some of it comes through as the history, like you're saying. Mm -hmm. Some of it comes through a commentary or a scholar may try and look for the fulfillment of a prophecy. Um, others might look for, what do they call those? Like literary and genre clues. Mm -hmm. uh, other ones might try and marry both of them. Yeah. <laughs> so it is, a, it is a very thick reading. So we are going to give you, as Scott said, what we found to be important, what jumped out at us. Um, and just try and stay true to what the text is the best that we can. Yeah. And, and what I found, um, especially studying this week where I didn't get far as far into Hosea as I, as I was hoping, because I spent a lot of time just in the background information. Um, and it's hard because a lot of the some of the background information, at least what I found with Hosea is kind of readdressed in the first couple really almost in the first couple of verses. So I was like, well, how deep do I, do I go into, into that when we're going to readdress some of it later on in the, in the reading and in the text? Um, so hopefully we've got enough, but, but not too much. So hopefully it's a, it's a good mix as, as we got into that. But again, it was difficult trying to, in my own mind, and even in the largeness of, of the his, uh, I guess of the history of Scripture, trying to minimize it without going, mm -hmm. well, here is the entire Old Testament again, um, and here's where they've been, where they're going, etc. Mm -hmm. um, I do almost suggest listening to Deuteronomy before you jump into the minor prophets. Um, I don't think it's ne I don't think it's essential, but I think so understanding some of the context, but it be or some of the relationship yeah. um, that was built between both God and His people um, throughout Deuteronomy. Um, and even prior to that can be helpful in understanding um, why it is that um, uh, Israel is seen as a harlot and, and God is ultimately seen as, a, as more of a divine husband. Well, well, where does that relationship start? Well, we, we see a lot of that um, in, the, in the Torah, but, but we especially see a lot of it in Deuteronomy in itself mm -hmm. um, as we kind of worked our way through that Tor book. Torah being the Old Testament, just for... Yeah, Genesis through... Deuteronomy. That's the Pentateuch. Would that also be the Torah? Wouldn't that be the Torah? It's been a long time. But it, <laughs> oh, yeah, the Pentateuch would be the first five books. Yeah. Yes. All I right. don't know. Yeah, I wasn't sure how far the Torah um, reached in its reference. but Yeah, I'm not actually fully sure on that. We're scholars here, aren't we? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so a couple of things just to uh, bring it around before we really dive in. Uh, one there is a covenant relationship that we talk about in Deuteronomy mm -hmm. uh, between God and his people. And that's the same language we would use for a marriage, which is where some of this comes from. So you got to see, this is not just a contract. This is not an employer employee relationship. This is deeper uh, between God and his people. And some of the promises that he offered them uh, going into the land that he promised them after he rescued them from slavery using powerful uh, miracles and powerful acts and things like that. So we've got kind of that part of the dynamic. This isn't just a, I quit, you know, kind of, or you're fired and like I said, employee kind of thing. This is a little bit deeper uh, or quite a bit. I should say a little bit. This is quite a bit deeper. Oh yeah. Um, another thing, and unless your set of commentaries say otherwise, and I do not have mine with me, so I can't tell you who I'm using until next episode. There's your cliffhanger. <laughs> uh, we don't really know who Hosea is. Uh, some people argue over who wrote the book because most prophets were oral and somebody else would have had to write the things down for them. 
and we don't have any dramatic history on like where he was from. There's a high assumption that he lived in the Northern Kingdom. Um, I haven't read far enough in the book of Hosea to know if maybe that's spelled out deeper, but that seems to be what I got as far as the background. Uh, in the first verse, it mentions uh, who he is the son of, but nobody knows who that guy is either. Mm-hmm. So what do you got um, on his background? Really not too much. Um, the mystery, Hosea. So, so really quick, I will jump into to kind of the commentaries I used um, and then kind of rebring that up next what, week. While you do that, um, I'll Google mine. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm using, uh, sometimes there, there's a Bible commentary series, which, which I, I usually enjoy. Um, it's called Understanding the Bible Series, or under, yeah, Understanding the Bible Commentary Series. Um, and a lot of times they, uh, in that commentary, uh, they actually have a background information of the book and kind of what's going on, and they get into how it's written, the historical, and all of those. And then they pretty much go verse by verse and they kind of explain it, but they explain it in a scholarly, but also in a layman's term in a way that that's easily understood by, by people in general and can see how the historical and all of those fit together to relate to back then, but also in the context or the context of back then, but also relates to us today. We, we would often say that these are very pastoral. Yes. So, um, the commentary that I'm using uh, from this specific series right now is Minor Prophets 1. They also have a sequel to it, Minor Prophets 2, which get into the prophets that aren't addressed here. The author is Elizabeth Actmeyer. Um, it is oh, spelled. Oh, Elizabeth Actmeyer. I don't know who that is. Oh, okay. <laughs> it is spelled A C H T E M E I E R. And um, and then there's another author for the Minor Prophets, too. The other one that I'm using is, the, is what I also used, what was the second commentary that I used for the Deuteronomy series, and that is the IVP background commentary, um, Old Testament version, um, written by John H. Walto, Victor H. Matty, M-A-T-T-I, and Mark W. Chaw, C-A-O, oh, Chav, I'm sorry, C-H-A-V. Um, Oh, those were only the abbreviations from my little Kindle, and I can't see the bigger one. Um, so it's it's Walton. Eh, it won't stay still long enough. Um, so it's John H. Walton, Victor H. Matthews, and Mark W. Chavales. Um, and so that's so inter- interesting because uh, Walton is on mine when we get to Jonah. Really? Yeah, so okay. that'll be interesting. So so apparently um, some of those are, I guess, in other commentaries and then mm-hmm. discuss various uh, other Old Testament books as well. So those are the, the commentaries that I'm using. The IVP background, Bible background commentary actually discusses all of the Old Testament and it is a little bit, doesn't go into quite as de- in depth, but it kind of gives good additional information to add to the, the Minor Prophets commentary that I'm using. So I'm using the Zondervan Expositor's Bible Commentary. I used that last time for uh, Deuteronomy, but this is the volume that does uh, basically Daniel all the way through Zechariah, I believe. Or it might actually go, might all the way go, hold on. I think it goes all the way to Malachi. Yeah, Daniel, sorry, it goes Daniel to Malachi. Um, and it's uh, edited by Tremper Longman III, who is probably one of the, foremost authorities on Old Testament scholarship. As a matter of fact, my uh, Old Testament survey that I was reading for the background of Hosea was edited and 
contributed by Tem- Tremper Longman. So he's all over. But Hosea, the commentary specifically, is M. Daniel Carroll R. Rodis. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, he's the one that's doing that part of it. So it's one big book uh, with all of the minor prophets in it that I'm using primarily. And then I've got the other Old Testament survey with Longman, among other books that I will probably consult because I've got a few that I'm kind of itching to take a look at and I, as i use them i'll obviously cite them yeah absolutely um when i cite elizabeth Octtimer, i'm just gonna call her liz um or elizabeth um because i don't is even she phd dr um, liz <laughs> um i don't know i probably should look more into the um i will look more into her authorship and credentials um i, I don't remember shame shame on you to him earlier um i will say um, that uh i think I got mine used for 16 bucks, brand new. It's like 28. Okay. Uh, so you can pick them up pretty cheap. Mine was off Amazon. Uh, I'm sure you can find it in a lot of different bookstores. Mm-hmm. Yours is, um, I know yours is digital. But yeah, I think I think about it for like $9. I think it's $12 okay. if you buy the book edition. Um, again, I, I really like this series. Um, and I like the way that they handle things. Um, and then they even have deeper information in, in the mm-hmm. back of at the end of each section or chapter where they give you much. If you want to get more into word studies and stuff like that, they, they kind of grab those stuff. And, and that's yeah, that's kind of how uh, the Zondervan series rolls at the end mm-hmm. of every section of every uh, chapter in the book. It will roll out, a, you know, basically uh, this word is used X amount of times or this is also translated this way or, you know. Right. Uh, scholars are in debate about this. So it's got some nice deeper uh deuteronomy you use christopher wright in the same series in the same series yes so christopher wright actually has um a actually he's got a new book out that i really like it's um uh, cultivating the fruit of the spirit which is one that he, he wrote within the recent year um or past two years um but he's actually got ezekiel jeremiah some other commentaries that aren't in this um understanding the bible series um but um uh, again, there there are some bigger names within the Understanding the Bible commentary series. Um, I don't specifically know this one, but um, again, I, I love the the way that it's written, and and so far haven't found anything that I'm like, ooh, I can't believe they said that type um, ideas. But but they they seem to be very uh, do a good job of getting into Greek, Hebrew, Aramaic, and 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 all of the other historical aspects that really bring Scripture to life. So if you feel like uh, following along, those are the commentaries and helps that we're using. Uh, don't feel like you have to go out. We'll regurgitate enough of it probably for you. Yep. But if you're trying to build a library or you want to follow along, uh, it's a great way to do it uh, is to just grab the commentary, read along with us. Mm-hmm. It just goes to show you that to have meaningful Bible study, you don't have to break the bank and you don't have to uh, read Hebrew to get a good grasp on what God was trying to yeah. say. And, and one of the reasons we even started this podcast in the first place is we both like to study um, scripture. I mean, that's probably one of our favorite things to do. And we love to talk about it. There's, there's something, um, powerful about being able to discuss what it is that you've learned. And uh, so it's kind of one of those that even when you do read the same thing or follow along in other commentaries, although you may not be able to, to dialogue 
with us where we're going, oh, okay, I love what you said. There's still that ability to be able to dialogue and go, oh, well, I got something else out of this to, to really help bring scripture to life. So if it's one of those that you kind of do a pre-study and then you still kind of um, hang on with us with the podcast, I mean, you could get something out of it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we just love talking about scripture. We love talking about what we're learning um, and and Deuter- or not Deuteronomy, but just the Old Testament in general <laughs> is so easily overlooked. And yet um, Jesus is way, Jesus is pretty cool anyway, but he's even way more awesome when you understand the Old Testament. Um, and also when you realize that, that God is not a vengeful God in the Old Testament. In fact, he's, well, he is a vengeful God. Well, in he the is, Old Testament. but it's not, it's not a kid throwing a temper tantrum vengeance. It's not a chaotic vengeance. God's grace and mercy is still prevalent mm. in how he loves and relates with his people. Despite what pop culture would have you. Right. Think. Absolutely. Yeah. And so I think that's one of the things to, to realize that um, God's personality and character hasn't changed. His love for his people hasn't changed. Um, however, we've got a Messiah in the New Testament, but his love and grace and mercy is actually still very prevalent throughout mm. the Old Testament as well. So, so let's dive into okay back to Jose. Jose. Yeah, let's actually dive so, in and get a give the people what they're paying for. So um, very quickly, I was fairly similar with um, Don. Um, we've got a relationship that was built out built up earlier in the uh, Old Testament. Um, in this story, Israel um, specifically is uh, seen as the the harlot wife um, who does not uh, necessarily um, stay committed to the their husband or God, who is the divine. A husband um, who loves his people and wants to restore uh, a relationship with them. Um, who Hosea is, um, they don't quite know. Um, his ministry started about 750 BC, um, ended about 723 BC. When we're talking BC, if we we're talking historical terms, we're used to, okay, it's 2019, 2020, 2021. Well, if you're looking at Old Testament, you're going backwards. So when I say 750 BC to 723 BC, really we're going forward in time. Um, we're just trying to get up to zero when they ultimately say, Jesus was born around that time-ish, and then um, we kind of jump into A.D. after that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, his ministry ended shortly before the northern kingdom of Israel fell to Assyria. Assyria is very much a, um, very much a, a threat to really everyone in the Near, uh, near East during this time period. Um, Assyria was very violent, cruel, mean uh, group of people. They knew how to torture um, very well. Um, they were strong and powerful and, and how it is that they um, took over countries. Um, there were a lot of countries that were actually under Assyrian control. Um, and usually if you didn't um, pay the tribute or whatever to the Assyrian people, they basically tear your uh, country apart and were really good at that. Yeah, so what they, would, what they were one of the pioneers in was a macabre or fear-based war. Uh, so everybody would use like a psychological. They would call you names. They would talk about your mom. Uh, you read about that with David and Goliath. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Goliath out there talking trash and David talking some trash back to him and, you know, stuff like that. The Assyrians would go in. Siri thinks I said. Who are the Assyrians? <laughs> so. No, 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 the Assyrians. So Syria, Siri thought that, that the Assyrians, Assyrians were... Uh, they would go into... Sorry about that. <laughs> I was just kind of my phone thinking that I was talking to her. Um, 
they would go into a an encampment or a town and they would kill all the people and they would cut off their heads and put them on a stick and then they would march to the next city and say hey do you want to end up like these people and they would put the sticks outside the gates to where anybody coming or going would have to walk past them uh which would basically mean you probably did not want to walk past that so Mm -hmm. it would kind of lock you in your city out of fear uh they were known to uh pierce body parts and chain them together uh people with various parts pierced and bring them on a parade so they might shove a uh, spike through scott's nose and they might shove a uh another spike through my hand and they might shove another spike through somebody else's ears and they would take another one through somebody's tongue and then they would chain us all together and they would lead us on a parade through a city and say pay the tributes or you'll be like this uh they were also known to uh learn the language of the people they were going to conquer and they would scream out and yell out threats and uh stuff in that language so that the common people knew what was going on which was rather uncommon at the time usually the dignitaries would all speak in a language you know familiar to each other and then the commoners wouldn't really know what was going on, but the Assyrians would straight up throw that business out in the street. Uh, so they were definitely a group to be feared, and they're definitely a, uh, you know, barbaric group of people. So there you go. So, yeah, you don't want to mess with the Assyrians. Um, the um, So we think that he was a resident of the Northern Kingdom, um, it brings reference, or he makes reference to cities such as Gilgal, Bethel, and um, the capital of Samaria, um, which would ultimately lead to, um, well, that would be part of the Northern Kingdom. Um, he seemed to have knowledge of things that were going on in the Northern Kingdom, which also brought, which brings most commentators to think that um, he was from that that area as well. Um, they also say in his writing, um, he has Northern dialect um aspects that, that are part of that man your commentary is already better than mine <laughs> <laughs> so i i don't know again i'm we're probably not going to get much into that because i speak english english and um uh, i can say hola i'll see what i can find out <laughs> <laughs> um so other than that i don't know um we know that he is commanded to marry a woman um of harlotry um gomer whoa whoa spoilers oh sorry Bro. um so i'll skip that part time <laughs> period um it was uh during the last years of the reign of jeroboam the second um, he reigned from about 786 to 746 BC. Um, up to this point, we've got a lot of kings that come and go, mostly because one kills another and the other kills another and the other is a bad ruler and he kills that person and then that person dies because he kills and then this kills. And then eventually we get to kind of more of a time of peace, I think with the time of Jeroboam the second. Um, however, um, it is a stableish government, uh, the economically um, prosperous. However, um, it was definitely divided. Um, you still had some some that were poor. You still had uh, divided uh, within that kingdom, and they weren't necessarily following what God wanted them to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if I there, there was some um, during this time we talked about a northern and southern split. Uh, there were some boundary disputes, so there were some minor skirmishes uh, over the boundaries of the kingdom, but it was not full-blown war between the two, but there's definitely Cold War and, you know, maybe s- once in a while tempers would flare up as well. So Israel itself was not truly, Israel and Judah, the same people themselves were not tr- united anywhere close to 
and you know a, a a truce or unity either um the hebrew text of hosea um as they say is probably one of the worst preserved texts in scriptures um some scholars suggest that it was damaged when it was carried to the south after the fall of the northern kingdom um, a suggestion that implies that Hosea himself did not necessarily escape southward. Um, they believe that sometimes um, there, there's potential some insertions once it hit Judah um, from some of the Judean um, scholars in order to fill in some of the gaps that, that may have existed as it made its trek downward after the fall of Israel. A uh, point I also read that was kind of interesting is there are a lot of uh, idioms and words that are not found anywhere else in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. uh, which for translator proves to be a more difficult task, uh, trying to get some of the words out, which could explain some of our issues while trying to read through the study notes and stuff like that. Right. But it was definitely, uh, it's a very unique book in the, in the way it was written. So not very well preserved, but also has a lot of uh, one-use idioms and phrases that aren't found anywhere else to compare against. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, earlier I made a slight mistake. Um, he actually started his ministry during the time of Jeroboam II, and I had said that prior to that, there are the, the, the time of anarchy, and that was actually after Jeroboam II. Um, so once Jeroboam II, although he had a more stable government, um, following him was where you have um, one king that's corrupt, and he didn't last long, and then someone else didn't last long. Um, yeah, as the, you say, I thought the Assyrians were shortly after Hosea. Yeah, so, so it was actually they came the, in and yeah. let him out to And so it was exile. during that time of unstableness with all the different kings. That's when Assyria kind of jumps in and kind of takes advantage of that. Um, I think even during that time period, um, there's a little bit of, I, I think they wanted to make a... Um, um, uh, a truce or not a truce, but a treaty with uh, the southern kingdom mm. who refused to go ahead and do that with, I think it was Ahab. Um, and then um, and we talk a little bit about the. Uh, the slaughter of Ahab's descendants. Did it, did it get into that or do uh, we get into that? Well, you haven't gotten that far yet. <laughs> OK, so, yeah, well. So with that, that's all I got because I didn't want to get too deep into it. So I got kind of. Um, kind of an overall quick, I mean, we could have gone through this king was bad because of this. Um, and if you are interested in it, I mean, it, it can be fairly interesting, but I think for this podcast, we're not going to quite go that deep. And yeah, in we'll, some of we'll that. flesh out important notes as we go along. So, so with do that, you, let's enter Hosea one. Do you want to do verses one through five to start out? Uh, yeah, we can do that. All right. We'll see okay. how, how it works. All right. <laughs> Um, the word of the Lord that came to Hosea, the son of Beri, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which was the southern kingdom, and in the days of jo- Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, which would be the northern kingdom. Hosea, uh, when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take to yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dibalim, and she conceived and bore him a son. I went through what? I said five. And the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish, or 
Jezreel. For in just a little while, I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. And on that day, I will break the bow of Israel and the valley of Jezreel. Jezreel Valley. All right. Bible lands and life, life ways with Mark Zies. Yes. <laughs> I traced the Jezreel Valley many times. <laughs> Um, so in Hosea 1, we get into kind of what I had already just talked about. Days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, they are the kings of, of the southern or the northern kingdom. Uzziah was, was like, liked by God. Was Jotham? Um, okay, so if you read through kings, almost every southern king king was liked by God. Okay, yeah. Every northern kingdom king was not. Ahaz was not liked by God. I'd have to double check. Uz- yeah, you, you could be right. Uzziah made a huge mistake. If I remember, he went into the temple or sacrificed when he wasn't supposed to, and that didn't end well for yeah, him. Yeah, that's probably. But for the most of his life, he was pretty decent. Jotham, I don't remember. Hezekiah was actually one of the better kings. But if um, you also read, he has his um, issues as well. Yes, it doesn't end well for him, which is why Manasseh, his son, yeah, didn't turn out well, and the Babylonians ended up coming and taking them over due to Hezekiah's mistake. Um, but hey, they survived the, was it the Assyrians or Neo-Assyrians? The Assyrians. Is the actual Assyrians? Yes, okay. it was the Assyrians. So, so Hezekiah was very much, he brought, he brought people back, he re-brought the Passover back into the thing. They started following God's commands again. So during his reign, um, the southern kingdom was doing well. However, once again, he did make his mistakes. Um, and then... I guess two through four. I'm not quite sure. Huh? Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah, I'm not quite sure I loved or two through three. Man, that, that would have not been fun. By the way, Scott, you're going to go marry a whore. Yeah. And I was like, well, thank you, Jesus. Or, thank you, God. Like, um, what would you call my wife? No. Right. <laughs> um, <laughs> he, he's not really giving him some encouraging words here. Well, it, there's a... Uh, a couple of things in there. One is um, the text is matter of fact, mm-hmm. and there's not a a hint of Hosea complaining or saying why, or he's completely complacent. There's like no apprehension listed in the text. It's not like God's like, hey, you're going to go take a wife, and she's going to be a real piece of work. And Hosea's not like, oh, I didn't deserve this. What? Come on. I'm your servant. What? Why? You know, he straight up was like, as far as we know, all right. I hear I hear Gomer's a whore. Like you yeah. know, it's like you kind of. I mean, I give him some props right there. As like, yeah. man, I would have been complaining the entire. Well, I would have added three or four verses of complaints right. in there. Like, <laughs> Lord, why you send me? Yeah. And I would have go Job with the forty verses of the Dude, forty a, chapters of. I'm I'm saying I'm a minor prophet. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Le- Leviticus twenty one seven actually forbids a man of God from marrying somebody who has a, a deviant past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so some people have gotten into the discussion of is this a uh, woman Gomer who was not a uh, little scamp mm-hmm. before the marriage and that. God was basically giving him a premonition of what was going to happen right? because that would contradict God ordering somebody <laughs> to sin against his covenant. Mm-hmm. Um, so some people do debate that whether or not it's a like, Hey, you're going to fulfill this prophecy. You're going to marry this woman and she's going to turn into a whore after the fact. Um, but we don't really have any proof outside of conjecture. 
to to know what's going on there. Yeah, and and I got the same thing where they weren't quite sure whether she was already unfaithful or whether this was something that happened later on. Right. Um, Again, I think the only redeeming factor, and I'm not quite sure how redeeming it is, <laughs> is like uh, I'm kind of one of those that, that I run by. Like if you give me a purpose, the reason and the heart behind something, I can be more on board than if you just say, hey, by the way, you're going to go marry a whore. Um, but but he basically says, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he already sees that this is kind of a, a hands-on type of lesson, an experiential type of thing. And, and God kind of likes to do that through the prophets. He does that with Ezekiel and through some of the major prophets as well, where some of their experience and some of their actions are very much to portray a picture of what God is trying to communicate um, between Israel and the relationship that he currently has with them and what he wants to do with it. And we, we kind of see the same thing right here as he's setting up this picture of um, I'm the divine husband that, you know, you're kind of the whore. Um, <laughs> um, no, you're the whore. Yeah. <laughs> so oh, really, God, me? Why me? <laughs> so, I mean, I guess, you know, at least he gives Hosea the heart behind what's going on here. I don't know how much better that would make it if, if God's like, by the way. Uh, but I, you see in the prophets quite a bit. um outside of Jonah, the worst of the prophets, I would say, uh, you don't see a lot of complaining about what God asked them to do. Mm -hmm. You do see a lot more willful obedience and understanding. Um, I'm trying to think of any of the other prophetic materials. I can't think of a lot of personal complaints. Like I said, outside of Jonah, the racist, I mean, the prophet really i can't think of any either so i yeah. mean it's just a special man that god has called to uh do this yeah work yeah. Uh, a couple of things that people have looked into but could not find gomer is used elsewhere as a man's name um and it is used also elsewhere as a woman's name okay so apparently it's the uh I can't think of a unisex name that we would have in like a Riley. Jamie? Uh, a Jamie, yeah. It's kind of that uni name. Uh, there is no known Hebrew translation of what Gomer means. Hmm. So she doesn't have like, it doesn't mean like, it's not symbolic. It doesn't mean like Gomer means whoredom uh, or wife of ill repute. Like there, right. there's no tie. Unlike his kids that we'll get into, there's a tie between their name and yep. what it means. Uh, and once again, we don't know who Dibleam is, Dibleam, her dad. Right. We don't know. She doesn't come from a family that had renown mm -hmm. of any way. So this is not a case of go marry the rich man's daughter or the landowner's daughter. This is another common person from what we can tell. Yep. Um, he does bring, or she does bring up, um, Elizabeth brings up, uh, where she says, go, t uh, she says that when it discusses go, Take to yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, um, where the one, at least according to the language that is used, there is at least one legitimate child being the first one. Yeah, However, that interesting as well. The other two, the, the language know. that is later on used, doesn't necessarily give, I don't know if ownership's the right word, but ownership to the yeah, second you own a kid. two. Yeah, you own a kid. <laughs> so, so where that children of whoredom could potentially come in is that idea of they may not be Hosea's kid 
our kids and they're not quite sure um, if that's true. And we'll get into some of their names later on as we get a little bit deeper into kind of what's going on here. Yeah. Um, so they also, so this commentator also said, um, again, there, there was that argument of was she unfaithful before? Was she unfaithful after? Um, Baal worship was actually a big deal during this time. Mm -hmm. um, so there she could have been part of the Baal cult practices as well. Um, I'm going to read what she wrote because it's it, it just explains some of the Baal. Um, Is this a hide your kids moment? You know, potentially. Use discretion. Potentially. <laughs> So I'm going to read it because describing it felt very, I was scared. <laughs> so here's what she's got. So quote someone else. Yeah, right. go on. <laughs> in commanding such a marriage, God spoke through Hosea in the language of the time. For Canaanite religion uh, presupposed that the mythical god of storm and rain, Hadad, upon whom all fertility depended in dry Palestine, was manifested in the form of local bales or owners, masters, lords at cult sites, often called high places, throughout the land. These bales impregnated the land, the mother goddess, with, with rain causing it to bring forth produce. They were also seen as the source of fertility in human beings. Thus, by enacting the marriage, the quote marriage, of Baal with the land and humans, by means of sexual intercourse with male and female prostitutes at the cult sites, Worshippers thought to coerce the god of fertility through sympathetic magic to bring forth fertility. In short, Baal was understood as the source of life, and worshiping him assured his um, devotees that they would uh, have the good life. Um, this very much went against what, what God um, uh, wanted for, for his people, um, where ultimately um, God was supposed to be their only source of life, and yet they were finding it by worshiping these other Baals. So, um, again, sorry I read that, um, but it's one of those that, that, again, I was scared to just say, well, here's what I understood from it, where someone who is much more scholarly than myself, I felt just reading what she had wrote uh, would be potentially a little bit more legit. Um, so, yeah, so there was that, that possibility that, that she was actually... Um, participating in some of that Baal worship. Well, isn't she a sweetie? Absolutely. Isn't she a sweet thing? So, no, no. So, anyway, he didn't complain. He was obedient. And um, do we have time to move on? Well, what are we doing? How are we doing? Yeah, we can. I think we could finish up through five, and I think we'd be good. Well, so, we'll get through uh, the first kiddo. Okay. Um, which is, I believe the first one is the only one that we believe is was legitimate. His legit, his legit son. Um, a legit kid. Um, so this gets a little bit into do you do you have, well? What do you have for this? So this is where we get some of those um, one-off terms uh, that translators argue about. Uh, the dominant uh, translations here are what you read in the NIV, the ESV, NASB. I've I've checked those three. Um, you might find a different. It may be in a different translation, but um, it says in four, and the Lord said to him, call his name Jezreel, for in just a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel. And that's problematic because in the account of Jehu, uh, God says it was a good thing. Uh, basically, this is what I was talking about with Ahab. Jehu went off and 
had a vicious slaughter of Baal worshiping uh, relatives of a of an evil king. And it looks like in the account in the book of Kings, all's happy, hunky dory, and God's like, hey, high five. Um, but here suddenly there's a punishment being brought to the house for the blood that he spilled. So how do you reconcile the two? And my commentary said that one of the debated phrases here was bring the same punishment that Je- the Jehu brought upon the house, uh, where others have it saying, I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood, which that would be a little bit different saying more so like um, these are the descendants of Jehu and I'm going to bring a punishment on them. So it just depends on how you, how you go about the translation. Are you looking up the account? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm not going to read it all because it is, it goes to the account. It is first Kings nine and 10. Um, so you're talking the entire chapters of nine yeah, not, and 10 not verses. <laughs> right. So, so it is a fairly long account. Um, and again, mine had the same, is, I guess. Is huh? it, oh, sorry. Go on. So I had two different potential reasons as to why God's wrath is coming against them. The first one is that near the end, um, um, he got a little bit too violent um, and decided to, to kind of take it a little bit too far and go on another rampage um, that went a little bit further than, than what was originally commanded. Um, there was another, um, one of the other suggestions is that um, in the beginning, um, he was very against uh, this Baal worship. Um, so part of the slaughtering comes out of an opposition to the worship of Baal. Um, in the beginning part of, I think it was Kings or, um, and Kings or, yeah. Um, and then later on over time, um, it actually, the, the same thing that he started out with, um, being opposed to Baal worship, he actually eventually changes over to, and begins to, to follow in that Baal worship. And I think that's in um, uh, in Second Kings, I think. Um, and so he began to um, kind of foster that same apostasy later on. So, so we ultimately kind of see where, um, again, those are two potential things. Um, I'm not saying that the text is overly clear with that, mm-hmm. um, but those were some of the ideas that the commentators were, were kind of debating through. Yeah, so we don't, uh, the like I said, the predominant one that we see is what's in your print, probably in most mainline translations. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I uh, I don't think it makes a difference either way. What we're saying is that we're looking at the deeds of a violent man, and we're seeing a punishment that fits that mm-hmm. is being uh, a, a vicious punishment is being dished out is what we're seeing kind of in the end of how that works out. Right. So, um, so that's kind of what we oh, have. Oh, go on. Oh, as I say, the, the Jezreel Valley was, uh, a bloody battle zone anyway. So the theme you could say of these two verses here is the amount of war and violence that sur- that's going to surround, uh, what's happening. Mm-hmm. The, the events of the, d- the time I should say. And I think originally I said First Kings. It's actually Second Kings nine through ten. Oh, sorry. Um, yeah, so I I messed that up. That's alright. Um, You're over two. Yeah. Whatever. I'm, man, seriously. Whew. Man. Um, so Second Kings nine through ten um, is where the story is is retold. Because I was looking at First Kings, I was like, wait a second, 
Nope, that's not right. <laughs> and I look back, it's like, oh, wait, nope, that's Second Kings. I wrote it down These wrong. kings weren't even um, alive. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so ultimately, that's kind of where you see that story if you want to go ahead and um, kind of look into that and see at least where the commentators are coming from with, yeah. with how that narrative pans out. Again, it's two chapters, so that would take a lot of you having to listen to me read. Um, <laughs> so I would suggest if you want to do that, I mean, pull out your U version and, and have them read it to you or... And get a, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you get the a- ambiance music in the background. That's, I couldn't think of the word for it. I was like, well, you know... They're, they're <laughs> at least in the NIV version. Yeah. I don't think the ESV has that. But um, anyway. I, I I use the ESV app and I am finding myself looking at the uh, a couple other translations a little bit more since I realize the ESV like strikes out the poetic and mm. for the academic, <coughs> I guess you should say for the straight up literal word for word. Right. Because um, we found that in Deuteronomy mm-hmm. a little bit. And I was like, oh, man, this is, this makes more sense with the poetic version and it's removed in favor of we don't want to make a mistake here so right. no assumption will be made so i've been kind of bouncing around a bit more and i think both of my commentaries um are pre esv popularity mm-hmm. um so i think both of them actually take the niv at least the understanding the bible commentary does mine is niv but that's because it is zondervan so they will only use what they license okay um, so the IVP, IVP, I don't know. Yeah, I'm I don't not, know who they're. I'm not quite sure either. So I'll look into that as well. Um, but I know that at least the the understanding of the Bible takes the NIV version of it. So, yeah. um, what do you have on those couple of verses that we can kind of wrap it up? Like I said, for me, the biggest thing is that um, everything surrounding it is violent and bloody with mm-hmm. this first kid. That yeah. those are the that's the big takeaway I got. I would say it's probably very similar for me as well. So. Um, I'd like to say that there's a whole lot more. I'm trying to see um, over time. Yeah, uh, just that the judgment had gone too far or that uh, it kind of started out as he was opposed to Baal worship and later on... Um, Talk about Jehu here, not, yeah, Jehu, not the right, kid. Not Jezreel. the kid, right. Um, and so ultimately it is still talking about maybe God's judgment on Israel for... I really, I guess if you look at it, it makes more sense for it to be the apostasy one where if right here you're talking about Israel's unfaithfulness, then it kind of makes more sense of instead of it getting too violent or going too far, this right here, if you're addressing well, um, their whoredom. Do, then do, you, do you remember Bible Lands and Lifeways with Dr. Zeese? I mean, it's been a while. Okay, so Jezreel Valley, there is a hill there. Do you remember the hill? I don't. Megiddo? Okay. And what's the uh, Hebrew word for hill? Harm. Hey, man, it's been a while. You, you so got it's me. the Harm Megiddo. Oh. It's the hill. It's the hill of Armageddon. That's okay. where we pull that uh, translation from. Okay. So that it, it, the final battle is likened to a battle on the hill of Megiddo. Oh yeah. It's a bloody, violent, you know, festivity. Wrong choice of words there. Yay! Let's kill. Um. It, so it's a very violent affair when it, they're talking about the final battle and being in the hill of art of Megiddo of the heart right. of Megiddo. So yeah, there, there is definitely the, you could also say the violent vengeance that comes from the apostasy mm-hmm. is something that you could see here, but there's definitely, that's why, that's why I was saying there's, there's a, yeah. uh, 
around the first kid and it gets worse as these kids go on in a way mm-hmm. oh yeah uh, it but, does but i mean the first one when we're looking at jezreel he's named after a valley or he's named for an area where there's already intense conflict and war that is only going to get worse throughout time to where when we get into revelation god's talking about the battle is going to rival those of the those in the jezreel valley on the on the harm maghetto hmm. um we see the jehu was a bloodthirsty warrior mm-hmm. we see a very violent story in second kings okay um and then he's talking about he will punish the house of jehu for the blood of jezreel so um. i mean it's a it's a very it, that's what i'm saying it, it we may be looking at that jehu apostasy but we also got to look at it's a very violent okay. uh surrounding for this kid, a very violent environment for the first child okay okay so i mean you can put a pin in that and come back to it later maybe study it and say hey yeah it does seem violent or maybe you can say yeah, no 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 maybe it's not so much but i i mean if you go through the different kids here i would argue the first one you're getting into the vengeance and blood okay and it, it each kid spoiler for the next week kind of has a little bit of a different bend on god's judgment as you yeah. go down through it so yeah. And, and we're going to get through three kids and then, well, yeah. yeah, so we've got through the first one. So I would say that my, my commentary doesn't leave uh, any very clear. Um, sounds like yours kind of doesn't either. No, no, um, actually the whole Armageddon, Armageddon stuff came to me as we were talking. About okay. It. So that, <laughs> that is not in the commentary. So if you buy it, you won't find that. Right. Uh, you will find that in Dr. Zeese's class. Uh, he is in a college in Florida now. <laughs> But I still follow him on Facebook, and he will follow you back if you follow him, Doctor Mark Zeese. <laughs> and, and yeah, he, he kind of knows what he's. Oh yes, worth he is. Follow. Oh yes, um, probably one of the better teachers I had in school. Yeah, I, um, I could find Doctor Sarah Fudge as well. Oh yeah. Oh dude, I would. She was. <laughs> I know a lot of people did did not like her mm-hmm. because she was hard. Okay. But man, was she good. I never had her class. <sighs> I know. I'm bummed that I never had her class, but I never. Again, I didn't need those credits because I had them from another university, had, and I was like, I had her, and found out later I actually had her son. Really? When her son was an uh, a TA, uh-huh. he was filling in for a, a different teacher, and I and I found out, and she was like, Oh yeah, the only reason he was able to get that job is because he could read Hebrew. Oh wow! I was like, Dang. Okay. Well, <laughs> so it runs in her family. He's better than I am. I so, mean, I can't read Hebrew, man. It, it's weird though when I was there being taught by a class by a guy who's maybe three years older than you. Are you serious? But. 300 times as smart wow. wow great great kid but it was just kind of cool to have that for okay he was there for a couple of weeks subbing in but eh, my kids won't be that smart you don't know <laughs> that anyway um got to yeah. some hebrew <laughs> anyway bear bear with us um again thank you this is our, our first prophet that we've addressed on this podcast and there's so, so much so there's I, so much so what we told you here we it might sound like we're stumbling through it's because we're trying to pick what we tell you in the hour that we have with you yeah and, and i think we're still learning on, on what that looks like so um we're okay with your suggestions and if you don't have any suggestions then bear with us as we stumble the next couple weeks and by the time we get to the last minor prophet hopefully we'll have it down and uh then we'll, we'll jump into whatever's next but yeah. uh as of at least the foreseeable future uh we've got a bunch of minor prophets going on and uh, unfortunately it doesn't always look great for israel but uh, we do have a loving god that we're going to see a lot of restoration happen along with the rest of it so and if you want to add anything or let us know what's up bakesh at outlook.com is our email address and we would love to hear from you and we have a uh website 
com, and you can leave comments there on the episodes as they are posted. Um, to give you full disclosure, we record these a few weeks out, so you might get something. You might be like, man, I haven't heard back from them. It's been four weeks. Well, you know, we will get back to you. Don't yes. worry. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, But until next time, thanks for coming with Hosea, and uh, I'm enjoying it, but yeah, it's hard. Yes. But you know what? Come enjoy the hard scholarly discussion with us. Absolutely. All right, guys. Adios.